We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. With friends like these, who needs enemas? I'm Torin Atkinson. You know, at this rate, we're going to have to rename April Fool's Day to Anal Fool's Day. I'm Kevin Leeson. This podcast has been digitally encoded with the scent of freshly baked bread. I'm Joe Fulgham, and this is Caustic Soda. Episode a little different than usual. I think we just did because you've never said that at the beginning of an episode. Perfect, done. <laughs> I'd also like to thank uh, our interns, yeah, for helping us research this and many of our fine episodes. Mm-hmm. Kelly, Corey, Amy, Todd, and the rest, and all the rest. Mm, just Professor like the and Marianne. <laughs> our topic today is deadly and dangerous pranks and practical jokes, not uh-huh. the, not the impractical kind. <laughs> so Only no Kevin the... jokes today. Uh oh. <laughs> Uh, joke comes from the Latin iocus, iocus. Okay. From the pre-Indo-European root yek. Okay. Yek, meaning to speak. Okay. So to speak is to joke. Well, uh, that was a society. Pre-Indo-Europeans yeah. were all kind of jokesters. <laughs> yeah. That was a heavy stand-up Every time you comedian. open your mouth, it was uh, yeah. some kind of a snipe or a, yek, a, yek, a, yek, a jibe. Yek. <laughs> Originally a colloquial or slang word, meaning something not to be taken seriously, is from 1791. So it, it, it's a relatively modern interpretation mm-hmm. of that original word. And practical joke is from 1804 from the earlier handicraft joke. A handicraft, handicraft joke. Handicraft, handicraft joke. Yarn joke. bombing is what uh, comes to mind. Okay. I'm thinking right, yeah. something to do with a hand crank drill. <laughs> Maybe. Right? You know, you put a hole in, uh, you know, somebody's bucket. Or some or kind of complicated Rube Goldberg water on the head delivery device. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was a lot of construction involved in these early practical jokes. That's I'm right. guessing. That's... You had to be. <laughs> a lot of... You couldn't just go on the internet and order a joke. A lot of joke. wicker whoopee cushions. Yeah. Jesus was a prankster. <laughs> what would Jesus do? They say he was a carpenter, but yeah. really, he was just building these devices. Yeah. Check this out. To... They're going to think I'm walking on water. <laughs> Uh, fool comes from Old French foal, meaning madman, insane person, idiot, rogue, jester. Uh, by the way, the first part of my last name. Fool jam? Yeah. Jam meaning leg. You've, so got, a, you've got a fool's leg. I, I have an idiot leg. Yeah. It makes sense. It's why I don't like walking anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Prank comes from the 1520s of uncertain origin, perhaps related to the Dutch pronken or the German prunken. That you sounds know, like uh, mean, the origins of the term of, of the show punked. Prunked. Punked? Yeah. You got, got prunked. Yeah. Uh, which means to make a show, to strut. Oh, huh. De- ho- de- I don't even know how to pronounce this. I'm going to pronounce it dehonestophobia, although it could be dehonestophobia. I'm going to go with dehonestophobia. The fear of being lied to. Mm, I hate that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And catagelophobia is the fear of ridicule. Categalophobia with a K. Now, in this episode, mm-hmm. we've already spoken of hoaxes in our hoaxes episode. Right. Yep. So we won't be covering, uh, although there's a lot of crossover. And I also filtered out all of the accidental shootings. The stuff that started out as a prank and ended up yeah. in the shooting? Yeah. Oh, that old trope. Because I figure we'll probably have an accidental shootings episode at some point. <laughs> yeah. How can we? Well, after see, this is why we'll never run out of ideas for this show. Exactly. Because you start researching something and you realize... There was enough of another thing that I never thought of that yeah. I could do an entire hour on. I also took out just vandalism. Yeah, okay. Because okay. a lot of those kind of fall under pranks or whatever, but right. it's like not really clever. Shaving or... cream in the pillowcase or... Uh... Somebody's car got blown like, up accidentally. Yeah, like blowing yeah. up a mailbox or something. Right. Okay. Uh, so this is mostly pranks that cause panic or riots mm-hmm. or injury, loss of life, mm-hmm. damage. Negative effects to human beings. Exactly. Right. And, oh, and possibly others. In other words, the caustic take on pranks. Yeah. Well, you know, like tossing pumpkins over an overpass and wrecking cars and injuring motorists. Right. Those kind of pranks. The, never convicted. That's what I got to say. Which uh, happen regularly after Halloween. Who to thunk? So in the history. <laughs> 
Precursors of April Fool's Day include the Roman festival of Hilaria. I ah. love it. We need to bring that back. Hilaria? Yeah. yeah. I, would, I would endorse that. Uh, held on March 25th. Festi- wait, wait. Hilaria or Harry Ariola? Every time I go to the gym, every time I go to the gym, I'm in the middle of a festival of Harry, <laughs> Harry Ariola. Ariola festival. Yeah. yeah, that's going on. That's what alive and well. <laughs> you never know how the Greeks pronounce anything, so it could yeah. be. What do they put on the top of the Harry Ariola tree? <laughs> Uh, A big glowing nipple. Yeah. <laughs> Festivals celebrated on the vernal equinox to honor Cybele, the Roman god Cybele you may have heard of. I, I think uh, Cybele. The mountain mother, you know. Yeah. All kinds of games and amusements were allowed on this day. Masquerades were the most prominent among them, and everyone might, in his disguise, imitate whomsoever he liked, even magistrates. So this is like the uh, the ancient Greek version of Eyes Wide Shut. Okay, we had the emphasis wrong. It's Seabell. Seabell. The emphasis on the first syllable. Iranians play jokes on each other on the 13th day of the Persian New Year, which coincidentally falls on April 1st or April 2nd. This day, celebrated as far back as 536 BC, is called Sizda Bedar. Say it with me. Sizda Bedar. Is this your long, your ongoing prank throughout this episode is just coming with stuff that's very difficult to pronounce and forcing us <laughs> yes. to pronounce it incorrectly? Yes. And at the very right. end, you're going to sum it all up? Ha-ha! I Joke's pranked you all you. this time! All of the words I said were backwards. Ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually oh. rad-deb-had-sizz. Mm-hmm. Next, you're going to make us sing the Siamese uh, national anthem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And this is the oldest prank tradition in the world still alive today. So it's exactly like April Fool's Day. Yes. <laughs> just by a different name. It's just not it, It's not European. It, yeah, it's the original kinda. April Fool's Day. It's exactly. OG uh, AF. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Iranians. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Persians. Then there's the medieval Feast of Fools held December 28th, still a day on which pranks are played in Spanish-speaking countries. This is the successor to Saturnalia. You remember mm-hmm. we talked about it on the uh, Christmas episode? I yeah. did. A brief social revolution in which power, dignity, and impunity is briefly conferred upon those in a subordinate position. So this is kind of just like screw with your boss day yes. in like a lot of different cultures. Yes. Back in the day where if you screwed with your boss, they could kind of have your family <laughs> thrown into chains yeah. and your lands taken away and whatnot. And yeah, and, and beaten. Impaled. Yeah, or just beaten with a stick within an inch of your life or whatnot. And now, and there was there was one day where you could you know yep. do something to your boss, and there's nothing they could do back to you except wag their finger or something. <laughs> well, why I oughta until the day after? Until, yeah, <laughs> wait twenty four hours. This is assuming, but this was also back in the day. But when people's human memory only lasted one day, that's why they had to start <laughs> writing Sorry. down books and hieroglyphics and whatnot. <laughs> A study in the 1950s found that in the UK and those countries whose traditions derived from there, the joking ceased at midday, but this practice appears to have lapsed. What's your guys' experience in this? Because I remember definitely that when I was a kid, yeah. you couldn't prank anyone afternoon. Oh, I'd never heard that. I remember hearing that rule and having everybody go, ha ha, yeah, right. And then they would just ignore it. It comes across like something that somebody would say to prank you on the day of pranks. Right. Oh, I see. Yeah. Or somebody with no sense of humor going, okay, that's enough now. Yeah. And you're like, no, you don't get to tell me that the day's over. You can't over. prank me because I'm wearing a yellow shirt. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. This noon thing is the stick in the mud rule. The April 1st tradition in France, Romandy, and French-speaking Canada includes poisson d'avril. April fish? April. Yes. April fish. Do you hit people with fish? Is that what you happens? attempt to attach a paper fish to the victim's back without being noticed? Ah, nice. Can you imagine if somebody's just well, like particular? They could have a whole school of fish back <laughs> like there, right? Twenty fish on They're their like, back. <laughs> you know, it's like why am I oh. rustling when I walk? So let's talk about some specific pranks in history. Then, all mm-hmm. right. The first one that I found that uh, was suitably caustic was from 1896. Okay, a lot of these were uh, taken from the Museum of Hoaxes website that mm-hmm. that has collected uh, not only the stories from newspapers but some cartoons and whatnot. Okay, near Nashville, John Aaron's, a farmer, planned an April Fool joke on his wife with disastrous results. Okay, he disguised himself as a tramp. <laughs> fastened a white mask over his face, and knocked at the door. When she appeared, he ordered her to get dinner for him. To his horror, his wife fell to the floor in a faint and died an hour later. What? What? Okay, she was of delicate constitution, as you would have said in 1896. (laughs) If a man in a white mask ordering dinner could kill you. 
But again, remember, this is before movies and TV. She hasn't been like hasn't exposed to any horror. kind of horrible stuff. But this wasn't, this wasn't, give me all your money and stick a gun in her face. This was, make me dinner, woman. Which would be the start of a horrible ordeal. <laughs> you know, women in 1896 were not as lazy as you, Joe. This is not the worst thing that could happen to a person is cooking, uh, cooking I don't a hobo th- a meal. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you understand where her mind raced ahead after the meal. Aaron's had uh, been married only a few months and idolized his wife. Her death has crazed him with grief and remorse, and he threatens to take his own life. Yeah. I would imagine that, that would be a guilt bomb that would be yeah. hard to recover yeah. from. Yeah. Here's the thing. I think I would have jumped to the conclusion if I were her that I'm going to make him a great, big, huge, massive meal, and then he's going to take a nap. <laughs> And I can make my getaway. Oh, the turkey. Yeah, that's right. Here, have some red wine and a little more turkey and another helping of mashed potatoes. And how about some of this rat poison I happen to have in the kitchen? Or are you a... Oh, that would have been an that April... Would have... That would have been awesome if the April Fool's joke had, like, doubled back on yeah. him. It ends up she doesn't die until after the dinner, but he dies of the rat poison. And the police show up and there's just two, two dead, dead people. people. Oh, it's like a Hitchcock story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this one isn't particularly caustic, but it is so classic. <laughs> Oh, okay. okay. That I have to, that I had to include it uh-huh. from 1965. BBC TV interviewed a professor from London University who had perfected a technology he called smell-o-vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It allowed viewers to smell aromas produced in the television studio in their homes. Mm-hmm. The professor explained that his machine broke scents down into their component molecules, right? Okay. Which could then be transmitted through the screen. <laughs> The professor offered a demonstration by placing first some coffee beans and then onions into the smell-o-vision machine. He asked viewers to report by noon whether they were able to smell anything, instructing them that, for best results, stand six feet away from your set and sniff. Viewers called in from across the country to confirm that they distinctly experienced these scents as if they were in the studio with him. Some claim the onions even made their eyes water. Okay. <laughs> this, this is 1965. This is the early advent of television. People... Oh, this could happen these days. The smell vision experiment was repeated in 1977 mm-hmm. by Bristol University psychology lecturer Michael O'Mahony, or O'Mahony, as I like to call him, mm-hmm. uh, who was interested in exploring the effect of the power of suggestion on smell. O'Mahony told viewers of a late-night news show that aired in the Manchester region that a new technology called Raman spectroscopy would allow the station to transmit smells over the airwaves. He told them he was going to transmit a pleasant country smell, not manure, okay. over their TV sets, and he asked people to report what they smelled. Uh-huh. Within 24 hours, the station received 172 responses. The highest number came from people who reported smelling hay or grass. Oh, I was totally going to say that had to be number one. Others reported their living rooms filled with the scent of flowers, lavender, apple blossom, fruits, potatoes... I would have liked the one guy who called in and said, I did smell manure. Nice prank, idiot. (laughs) (laughs) And even homemade bread. Okay. Two people complained that the transmission brought on a severe bout of hay fever. (laughs) Nice. And this is why people think that acupuncture works. Mm -hmm. Because you can be convinced of things very easily. So you think that if we did this exact same thing today, that it would still work in 2013? Yep. Yes, but it would have to be over the internet. Because nobody right. watches TV anymore. No, no. Like, we start a YouTube channel. <laughs> smell a net. The first thing we do on our YouTube channel Inter-smell. is introduce the uh, fiber optic internet smell transmission service. 1915, in what appears to be an April Fool's prank gone badly wrong, Harry Zarix of Lackawanna, New York, had to be rushed to the hospital after his fellow workmen injected compressed air into his body. Oh, through his butt? They didn't say. This is 1915. <laughs> uh-huh. Tearing and dislodging some of his internal organs. Oh, it's got to be through his butt. That's what, that was my assumption. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They probably like went behind him and, and stuck it and hit the and thing. Went, yeah. Back <laughs> before we knew that compressed air could actually tear up your insides. And then he flew off like a balloon. <laughs> <laughs> leaving, a, leaving a trail of blood and pus and entrails. Then, then, oh. We can determine the trajectory here from these. <laughs> yeah, the forensic science wasn't at the degree yet in 1915 where they could have like, you know, seen, predicted what exactly happened. Quit bringing the feces splatter analyst. <laughs> From 1950, I should preface this with uh, there was an earlier prank where the police were called. Mm-hmm. Hurry, hurry. You have to come to this so-and-so address. Right. So they went to that address, and it was another police station. Okay. And that uh, was the prank. I see. So in this prank from 1950, when fire station number two in High Point, North Carolina, received an emergency call from fire station number one. Uh-huh. 
They decided not to respond, thinking it was must be an April Fool gag. Oh, no. On April the 1st. Yes. Oh. They were incorrect. Oh, the other firehouse was actually on fire it, and they were calling for help. It turned out that the fire station number one was on fire. An explosion has, had resulted in flames which damaged their truck. Oh, man. <laughs> That's the that's the worst thing about April Fools is that it's it, when when real, real things, things happen, happen yeah. and no one believes you. We it's need like when a- there's a nuclear war on April first year. There is <laughs> we need an April Duck Fools and cover. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that would actually be the perfect time to like start a thermonuclear war. It would have been on April. We just 1st. gave North Korea a great idea. Uh oh. I think we need an April Fools safe word. You know, one mm, that everybody's right. like, no, listen, this is the safe word. When I use this word, I'm not kidding anymore. Nobody's allowed to use it when they're pranking. This is the I swear. This is true. Please send help. What would that word be? I don't know. We as a society need to decide what it is. Zucchini. Because I never say it except for I hate zucchini. Okay. Uh, so oh, jerks. Zucchini. My hair is on fire. Zuc- I know it's April 1st, but zucchini, zucchini. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'll be right over I think that's a winner. Yeah, okay. I mean, this might be a problem for vegetarians, but, you know. It'll be no eating zucchini day as well. Uh (laughs) What would you like to eat? That's the cruelest joke of all. (laughs) No, that's a bonus. April Fool's Day is just starting to become my favorite day. (laughs) You can still use it for other things, though, right? Oh, yeah. Wink, wink. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You just can't say it. Or one of the April Fool's joke is, I have a zucchini stuck. (laughs) You said zucchini. Zucchini, zucchini. I know you don't have a zucchini stuck in your... (laughs) No, they... I'm not coming over. I'm not calling the doctor. So we need a safe word, safe word. Uh-huh. So one that... That's right. So if you say... Something you couldn't possibly get stuck up your ass. If you say... Uh... Kevin was drinking while I said that. I almost got a comedy spew on that one. You just about got peach, peach drink in your face, darn. Hmm. Is there anything that you can't get stuck up your ass, though? Not that I can think of. Uh, Mount Everest. <laughs> Submersible. Well, you know, that goatsy guy, I think he might be able to go for it. Yeah. Just the peak. Yeah. yeah. Just the very tip top. He'll, oh. he'll give it a good try. All right. I like this one quite a lot. This is from 1974. Very famous prank. Uh, residents of Sitka, Alaska were alarmed when the long dormant volcano neighboring them, Mount Edgecombe, suddenly began to belch out billows of black smoke. Well, that sounds like something you need to be concerned about. Did this mean community? the volcano was active yeah. again and would soon erupt? Terrified residents spilled out of their homes and onto the streets to gaze up at the volcano and calls poured to the local authorities. All right, so people are uh, noticeably agitated. The Coast Guard commander at Sitka radioed the admiral in Juneau, who ordered a chopper to be sent out to investigate. Piled up in the cone of the volcano, burning with a huge plume of black smoke flame, was a huge pile of old tires. Oh, tire fire. And spray-painted in the snow beside the tires in 50-foot-high black letters were the words, April Fool. This means that somebody trekked up the side of a mountain with tires. There. With tires. Oh, we're obviously going to put this yeah. image on uh, causticsodapodcast.com. He actually flew. Actually flew up. Oh. oh, nice. The fake eruption of Mount Edgecombe was the work of a local prankster, uh-huh. 50-year-old Oliver Porky Bicar. <laughs> he got the idea for this prank to ignite the volcano in 1971. As soon as he thought of the idea, he knew that he had to do it. I agree. Wow. He, screw the environment. This is the one time that burning tires is worth yeah, it. Yeah, this is a man on a mission. So I, he, I respect this. So he collected 70 old tires that he kept in an airplane hangar and waited three years until April Fool's Day 1974 before the visibility conditions were just right for oh, the Oh, this prank. man is an oh, artist. Because <laughs> he's looking at the forecast and going, oh, no, exactly. all these clouds are going to come yeah. in. No one's going to see the plume of smoke. Precisely. Right. So he waited three seasons because the other two seasons, the weather wasn't right yeah. to get that maximum effect. Yeah. Yeah. This man is an evil genius. I, yeah. Thank God he did not set his sights on taking over the world. <laughs> Oliver Porky Bacar, this episode is dedicated to you. Oh, man. I love this guy. So when he woke up that morning on April 1st, 1974, he looked out his window, could see right across the sound. Mm-hmm. So he looked at his wife and said, I have to go do it today. Oh, she was in on it. She yeah, did she that said, little... just don't make it an ass of yourself, was her quote, was the quote from her. <laughs> okay. I thought she would, like, just make that fist and go, do it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Although Porky had prepared the tires, he had, not arranged, he had not arranged for a chopper pilot to fly the tires out to the crater, and this almost foiled his plan. The first two pilots he contacted refused to do it. Let's get their names and publicly shame them. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Lucky number three, though. Six years later, when Mount St. Helens erupted, a man wrote to Bicard to tell him, 
This time, you little bastard, you've gone too far. <laughs> Man, Porky for mayor. See, is he still? No, he died, uh, I think, in 2002. Oh. No. Yeah. Uh, let's go to 2007. An oral surgeon in Auburn, Washington, temporarily implanted fake boar tusks on his assistant's mouth as a practical joke. But Dr. What? Robert Wu put in the phony tusks while the woman was under anesthesia for a different procedure. He took them out before she awoke, but he first shot photos that eventually made it around the office. Uh-huh. The employee, <laughs> Tina Alberts, felt so humiliated when she saw the picture that she quit and sued her boss. Wu's insurance company refused to cover the claim, so Wu settled out of court. Like, I don't even understand where the shame comes from. Like, why is she – she was unconscious, and they put tusks on her face. Well, just because you would like to have boar tusks doesn't yes. mean everyone would like to have boar tusks, Because then I Kevin. could gore people whenever <laughs> I wanted to. All right. So I'm going to put something on your face next time you're passed out and take pictures of it. If it's something awesome like tusks, I'm in. Well, there are certain people in this world that think it's awesome. The backstory is that Al- Tina Alberts' mm-hmm. family raised pot-bellied pigs, and she frequently talked about them at the office where she worked for five years. Uh. So Wu said his jests about the pigs were part of a friendly working environment that he tried to foster. <laughs> Sounds like uh, harassment to me. Uh, the oral surgery on Alberts was intended to replace two of her teeth with implants, which Wu did. First, though, he installed temporary bridges that he had shaped to look like boar tusks. <laughs> and while Alberts was still under anesthesia, took photos, some of them with her eyes propped open. Oh, that's kind of that's, weird. Is that going too far? Why prop her eyes open? That's a weird part of this. I find that weirder than the tusks. <laughs> the tusks. Does that say something about me? <laughs> I think it does. I think, yeah. I, I'm just I'm enamored with the idea of having tusks now. Uh, I can give you the address for... <laughs> Dr. Wu. Mm-hmm. Uh, before she woke up, he removed the tusks and put in the proper replacement teeth. He should have just kept those pictures for his personal use. I'm sure yeah. that. I'm sure that might have That's ended also up also disturbing. <laughs> I mean, yes, but I'm sure that might have got a more tusk better. fetish. Carpenter, 27, was arrested after he allegedly put Visine eye drops in his girlfriend's drink. Carpenter's girlfriend became suspicious after finding texts on his uh, on her boyfriend's phone to his friends about the Visine prank. Mm-hmm. Police say Carpenter's girlfriend hadn't been feeling well, and after seeing the texts, she contacted police. As part of the investigation, officers had the girl talk to Carpenter over the phone, and in so doing, he admitted to the prank. If I remember the movie uh, Wedding, Crashers. Wedding Crashers, yeah, it's supposed to make you violently ill. It's supposed to make you poop your pants or something. The myth is that it gives you diarrhea. I see. So it's the a reality myth. is a little bit different. But I bet you the manufacturers of Visine are perfectly happy to, uh, you know, keep this myth going because then it's people using Visine in an unexpected manner. That's right. It's a whole other uh, sales market. Yeah. The pranksters. Yeah, because people market. are still going to need it for their eyes. But if you got pranksters using it in people's drinks, bada bing, bada boom, we're moving some product. Carpenter uh, was booked on poisoning and domestic violence charges. 
Carpenter's girlfriend was treated in the hospital and released. Visine contains a dangerous chemical known as tetrahydrosoline. While this chemical will not produce diarrhea, like Shane Carpenter was hoping, it does have extreme adverse side effects if taken orally. It can induce side effects that include low body temperature, blurred vision, oh. ironically. I was about to say, that was... <laughs> That is definitely not the result you expect from ingesting visine. Nausea and vomiting, difficulty breathing, uh -huh. seizures, and possible coma. Visine for coma. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. This also happened in 1997. Houston, Carolyn Brooks, employee of Whole Foods Market, schemed with the store's juice bar clerk to lace the wheatgrass smoothie of Ruby Trabanino with visine. Brooks stated that she had the same prank pulled on her more than once when she was in school and that it caused no more than a brief bout with diarrhea. Mm -hmm. Trabinino became violently ill and was hospitalized for several days with acute pain and a variety of serious medical problems. Trabinino initially sought $1 million in his lawsuit against the company. A settlement had been reached and the case was dismissed. Brooks was also dismissed from the company uh -huh. of Whole Foods. A double dismissal. Maybe on some people it gives them diarrhea. Like mm -hmm. something we odd about them, they don't get the normal reaction? Certainly not assured and certainly not going to happen in as expedient a fashion as it did in the movie Wedding Crashers. Maybe Brooks just had chronic diarrhea and she yeah, assumed that it was... that's <laughs> a good point, yeah. Visine. yeah. And then also in 2009, Denise Moyer in Vermont uh, spiked a co-worker's drink at a Halloween party. The victim died two days later. But... Adverse reaction, you would say. I would say so. Yes. Did she get charged with anything? Uh, I don't have that information. Involuntary manslaughter or something you'd think would be on the table. You mispronounced it. <laughs> <laughs> Involuntary man's laughter, just like I meant. Uh, December 2012. Mm -hmm. A nurse who fell for a prank phone call made to the hospital where Kate Middleton was recently treated for acute morning sickness was found dead after apparently committing suicide. <laughs> <laughs> So funny. <laughs> Clever. Uh, Wait, who's Kate Middleton? I know this name. Oh, she's the Princess of Wales. Okay. She's, uh, she's actually Duchess of Cambridge. Jacintha Saldana worked at King Edward VII Hospital, where Kate Middleton checked in with this acute morning sickness. Uh, Saldana picked up a phone call made to the hospital by two Australian radio hosts, Mel oh, Grieg DJs. and Michael Christian. Nowhere else will you find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> than in radio? Than in radio DJs. Uh -huh. Either that or podcasting. The morning crew, no doubt. The two, a male and a female, were pretending to be Queen Elizabeth and Prince Charles. Falling for the trick, Saldana put the call through to, one the, to the Duchess of Cambridge's nurses, who proceeded to divulge a lot of private information about Kate and her pregnancy. Oh, shit. And now I've actually listened to the audio recording. It's only about three minutes long. Okay. So we should put a link up to this on the website, caustic-soda-podcast.com. All right. This nurse picked up the phone because it was 5.30 in the morning London time, and the regular receptionist wasn't there. Okay. So it was a nurse who actually picked up the phone. Mm. Christian, the male of the two of the pair, had only started on the show one day earlier, and it was his idea oh. to call the hospital in hope of getting the Duchess on the air. Oh, he's not even a regular DJ. He's green. He's yeah. totally green. And, uh, and yeah, so they called. And, and she literally said, oh, hello, right. it's the queen calling. Might I get Kate on the phone? Mm. And she went, okay, click. <laughs> Three seconds later, oh, hello, mum. Uh, and then the nurse just went into all this private details. About, oh, wow. Like, she literally spoke like six words before they just started giving up the ghost and believed entirely at 5.30 in the morning that the queen was calling directly for right. Kate Middleton. Okay. It's like the queen even touches phones. And it was literally like comical, yeah. yeah, I'm the queen. Oh, Charles, what are you doing with the corgis? And he's like, oh, these goddamn corgis have to go for a walk. Totally over the top. And the nurses took it at face value, right. evidently. So this made international news. Absolutely. That it was possible for uh, this morning zoo crew to just call up the hospital and get all this private personal information broadcast live on Australian radio. This isn't good for anyone. I remember watching it as it was happening, and like they plastered the photos of the nurses right. like all over these news programs and whatnot. Oh. And this was on the 4th of December, and on the 7th of December at 9.30 a.m., 46-year-old Jacintha Saldana was found dead in her nurse's quarters at the hospital. She was discovered by a colleague and security personnel in a hanged state. Ugh. Saldana had reportedly attempted suicide two times before. She had taken an overdose of pills on the 30th of December in 2011 during a family trip to India. After that attempt, she was taken to a private hospital in Mangalore and treated for self-harm. Nine days later, she was treated at Father Muller Medical College for head injuries suffered in a, quote, fall. Right. Uh, believed to be a suicide attempt. 
uh, after several days in she intensive tried everything. care. everything. Jeez. After several days in intensive care for that incident, Saldana was admitted to the hospital psychiatric ward and treated for depression. Right. She was discharged after three days and given a nine-month course of antidepressants, and her family was warned that there was a high risk she may attempt suicide again. And indeed she did. The Guardian paper reported that three suicide notes had been left behind by Saldana, two of which were found at the scene and one in her belongings. One of them dealt with the prank call where she blamed the radio DJs for her death. Oh, okay. Well, she called them out. Good. So was Saldana the one who answered the phone initially, or was yes. she was one of the people who gave out the information? She was the one who answered the phone and then transferred, saying the queen is on the line for Kate. Uh, Kate okay. Middleton never got on the phone. Right. It was just two nurses. Um, and she was from India, so she may not recognize a fake British you know, an Australian person putting on a, a British That accent. is a good point. I mean, she had been in England for like seven years or oh, something okay, like that. Okay, so okay. she probably would have recognized the hello <laughs> that right. comedians do whenever they're doing the Queen. Yes. She probably had seen a television show on British television at one point in time or another. I hear that the royal family is big in England. I like, I honestly don't even really, me personally, I don't really feel like these DJs are at fault. Right. Well, what happened? What ended up happening to them? No, no charges were filed or anything like that. They both went off the air for a while, and the the day after the woman committed suicide, they did an interview on like a hard hitting CNN news channel in Australia. Okay. They get on there and they're basically they're crying and like we didn't intend this and yeah. blah 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 and like and I'm watching it and the whole time I felt like it were they were crocodile tears. I did not oh, really? feel for one second these two were, were they sincere. crocodile Dundee tears though. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, it was kind of wrong to do it, but you can't know that you're going to play a practical joke on somebody who's in a very weak state of mind, right? Well, how so, are they to know that they, they were going to get the nurse who had tried to commit suicide twice in the last 12 months? But at the same time, you also have to realize that the things that you do, especially when the whole world is going to watch if you're yeah, successful. This, this all happened live, right? It's going yeah, it's to happen on the radio live. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's going to seriously humiliate somebody. So, so I would think hmm. once the... Well, Kate is having this much medication and whatnot. You just go stop. <laughs> Sorry oh. about that, everyone. No, well, it, 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 it could be, I think it was so short because they kind of like that you actually could almost hear the female DJ who was doing the, the queen. Oh, wait a minute. We're getting a lot of really personal information here. And so you started to crack wise about, oh, Charles, what are you doing with the corgis? I'm trying to like get oh, off right. of like the nurse is like, oh, she's doing very well. And she starts giving all the personal information. And then she's like, um, oh, um, oh, um. And then, no. all right, well, goodbye then. And they click and they're like, I can't believe that worked. And yeah, wah, wah, and you know, <laughs> do all the rest of the like, you know, uh, morning radio yeah. host thing. From August, 2012, a fun-loving boyfriend decided to surprise his partner by posting her an unusual present himself. Okay. But the joke went horribly <laughs> wrong when the delivery was delayed and he almost suffocated to death. <laughs> Hu Seng from Chongqing City in southern China made a friend tape him into a box uh -huh. that he had paid a courier firm to deliver to his girlfriend, Li Wang. Another friend was waiting at his girlfriend's office to film the surprise when he jumped out. Mm -hmm. In a horrifying twist of fate, <laughs> the unsuspecting couriers mixed up the address, and instead of 30 minutes in the sealed box, oh, man. Mr. Singh was trapped inside for nearly three hours. <laughs> you, yeah, you poke a hole. Up, poke a hole. Like, the why would you not put yourself... You're putting yourself in a box... Just poke one little hole that yeah. big would be enough to deliver fresh air to you so you could stay in there all day until your bladder gave out. <laughs> the box. And then you could pee on it to soften it so you could break it. Oh, break yeah, there free. you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the box had little air inside and was too thick for Mr. Seng to make a hole in it. <laughs> well, well, yeah, apparently. after the fact, yeah. yes. But here's the With thing. With his finger or how, whatever. If if that had happened, how if he'd been like 12 hours and he like soiled himself in there and then they delivered that to his girlfriend, how awesome would that <laughs> yeah. She opens it up and he's like semi-conscious, just covered in his own film. <laughs> but like then, that this still would have been a prank. It just would have been reverso, presto change. By the time the package had arrived at his girlfriend's office, where a friend was waiting to record, Mr. Seng had passed out and had to be revived by paramedics. <laughs> I didn't realize it would take so long, admitted Mr. Seng. I tried to make a hole in the cardboard, but it was too thick, and I didn't want to spoil the surprise by shouting. <laughs> right, because like, you don't know where you are, so every minute you're in there, you're going... 
should I make a hole or am I almost there and am I just going to yeah. wait? Should <laughs> like I make a hole? For, it's like should waiting I wait? for the bus. I waited for 50 minutes. It has to be coming in the next minute. <laughs> yeah. I waited for half an hour. It, it has, has to, to be, be coming, coming in the, the next, next minute. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I waited here for three hours. It has to be coming in Still, the next Still, when minute. you started to like get woozy and realize that you know, you're going to pass out, you'd think that might be the moment where you're like, you know, this joke isn't worth it. But you got to give it to him for his dedication. No, oh, yeah. Like, he, he loved her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his dedication to the prank. He loved the prank more oh, than yeah, he loved maybe, himself. Maybe there's yeah. that. A spokesman for the courier firm said, if he told us what he was doing at the start, we would not have taken the parcel. Even when we accept animals, they have to go in a special container so they can breathe. Yeah, but that's why he didn't tell them. They would have yeah, ruined it. Exactly. November 2012, Ohio. Seth Stonerock, the 20-year-old one-time high school sports star, was convicted and sentenced to four years in prison for covering a rural stop sign with a petroleum jelly-smeared ball of plastic wrap. Okay. Oh, hold on a second. Yeah. This guy's name was Seth Stonerock? Yeah, Seth Stonerock! <laughs> oh, he's totally a character from the Flintstones, right? <laughs> yeah, he, was, he wasn't the next-door neighbor, but he was across the street. Yeah, That's it. right. He was, he was the young kid who played the uh, electric guitar before there was electricity. Oh, yeah, he yeah. just had a bunch of bees inside of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The prankster bragged about the practical joke on Facebook. That afternoon, a car driven by two elderly sisters went through the intersection without stopping and was struck by an SUV that was pulling a boat. He covered a stop sign in petroleum jelly. Yeah. Petroleum jelly smeared ball of yeah. plastic. Wrap. So it was basically the... So the petroleum jelly is what, what stuck it on there. Like it just... Oh, okay. And... It- Okay, so you he basically see obscured the, the the sign, but there was still a sign. There was still in a, an octagonal shape, just like a stop sign. Probably, probably just a, a po- you could probably just see the post. shape. I've, I actually saw a picture of it, and it's just kind of like it's all covered in okay plastic stuff to okay. kind of make right. it look like almost like the predator it was a predator sign. Oh, right. okay, <laughs> got it. The passenger, Mary Spangler, 85, died at the scene. The driver, Jen Shea, 80, was in critical condition for three weeks. She underwent seven surgeries, had her leg amputated above the knee, oh. and she died three weeks later. No, oh, that's almost worse than dying right away. Uh, <laughs> almost? <long> out. <laughs> in pain for three weeks? Yeah. Oof. The charges of involuntary manslaughter and tampering with a traffic control device were later dismissed with guilty pleas on two reckless homicide charges. The teen was released after serving eight months of a four-year sentence. A dispatcher for the sheriff's office was fired for receiving complaints about the obscured stop sign but failing to act on the calls. Now, did you decide to take this... uh, You know why? ...to to read this uh, article so you could pronounce man's laughter incorrectly? (laughs) I did. You know why the sheriff ignored those calls... They didn't end the complaint with zucchini. That's true. Mm. I'm not even sure if this happened on April Fool's. No, because it was in November. Oh, there you it go. was just random November prank. He just decided to do it. It was November know? Fool's Day. <laughs> As part of the uh, release, he had mm-hmm. to change his name from Stone Rock to Dumbface. <laughs> it's fair. From May 2010, a man has died. Okay, that happens. After an eel Uh-oh. that was inserted into his... Uh-oh. Rectum. Oh. Let's not do that joke, though. Nod away at his bowels, causing agonizing injuries, which were eventually fatal. That's what eels do. So the eel was just doing what eels do. <laughs> they just they just chew through things. That's their whole raison d'être. And they're they're kind of used to being in tight, narrow <laughs> corridors. Yeah, right. That's why they're long and skinny. Yeah, okay, you know. Yeah. So the coral. Yeah, coral rocks yeah. or whatever. Eels just doing it. He's like, man, all right. It kind of smells weird, but uh, other than that, I'm just gonna start chewing. All right? I got is this mouth and this long body. Exactly. How did the eel end up? The 59 year old man, a chef. Uh-huh. was reportedly taken to Sichuan Hospital to complaining of abdominal pain, dehydration, and a great deal of anal bleeding. Ah! Maybe I should see a doctor. He was uh-huh. soon diagnosed as being in a severe state of shock. Doctors were mystified by the, huh. as to the cause and obtained permission from his family to undertake an exploratory laparotomy. Okay. You guys know what a laparotomy is? Um, Without it, looking on the internet? It's Don't. something to do with your lap, obviously. <laughs> right? Well, I'm going to say it's from where lap band comes to, so like a, a belly like uh, investigation. Mm. A surgical procedure involving a large incision through the abdominal wall to gain access into the abdominal cavity. Nice. So it's kind of near your lap. I was almost yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They discovered a 50-centimeter long Asian swamp eel lodged in his rectum. Oh, 
the so fifty centimeters is uh, not just damn near killed him. That would killed be uh-huh. nineteen and a half inches long for our Americans what? using Stone Age measurements. Though dead, the eel had apparently already wrought havoc on his innards, biting its way through his intestines prior to dying. Internal bleeding and infection rapidly set in. Yeah, I guess if you had a dead eel in your yeah, body, it would cause some infection. Well, especially so, if it's chewing through where all your poop is. How the hell did an Asian swamp eel, although that name kind of like, if you're going to end up with any eel in your ass. Do you want the Asian swamp eel? No, it just like, it kind of, you know. Sounds like a Magic the Gathering card. Seems... I play my Asian swamp eel. <laughs> two, two black swamp walk. <laughs> Two one. It seems it seems appropriate. I mean, you can kind of get swamp ass, you know. <laughs> oh, uh, he lingered for ten days in intensive care, but eventually succumbed to the injury injuries and sepsis. Oh God! Did we just have our lesser of two evils? Would you rather take 10 days to die from your swamp eel up your ass or 10 days to die after you have body parts amputated in that car crash? You know, Kevin is not as dumb as he looks. (laughs) The likely cause was eventually established. He had apparently been drinking with friends and had passed out. His friends had decided it would be amusing to insert a live eel into his anus while he was comatose. Police have begun an investigation. I would say so. I wasn't sure. I couldn't find how that... How it ended? I didn't look very hard, but I didn't find out what the results of that investigation More was. reasons I'm glad I quit getting drunk. So we don't stick an eel? Yeah. Wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a Chinese... It wouldn't be yeah, an Asian, Asian swamp, swamp eel. eel. No, no, no. It would be a Pacific red octopus. <laughs> Here's what I want to know. Why do his friends... Why do his friends have Asian swamp eels lying around? Oh, he's a chef. Iron right. Chef, they always, they very, I've seen them use eels and like they go, the ingredient is eels. And then you see a big bucket of live eels and the chefs reach in and grab one, hack its head off. And while the body's still squirming, they cut it along the length and start preparing it. This would have turned out a lot better if they had cut the eel's head off before they inserted it in his rectum. Mm. Yeah, but they wanted to go for maximum hilarity. You're dead. <laughs> Pop culture? Penn and Teller Get Killed from 1989 features Penn and Teller one-upping each other with pranks to the point that when a murderous stalker fan starts trying to kill Penn, he believes that it's just another of Teller's tricks. Ah. It is turn- it, though? It turns out that the fan is Penn's prank on Teller, but Teller gets so freaked out that he purchases a gun, unbeknownst to Penn, and accidentally shoots him just when he's revealing the prank. Oh. Teller and everyone else related to the prank kill themselves in grief... And then oh. random people who stumble upon the scene begin shooting themselves in horror as the credits roll. Oh, Got I it. see. Okay. That. Pranks are the entire point of the film. Yeah. They're, they're big on pranks, Penn and Teller. So you've seen this? Uh, long ago, I didn't get a chance to rewatch it for this. Would you give it? Well, I mean, let's go simple. Let's go it's, thumbs up, thumbs down. No, it's thumbs down. It's not that good. Okay. All right. Oh, that doesn't surprise me because they had a long and storied movie career after this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I watched, I wouldn't say most, hmm? but large chunks of the Jerky Boys movie. Okay. okay, all right. That's about all you need. You guys remember the Jerky Boys? I do indeed. Johnny, I think his first name is Johnny Brennan, began making and recording prank telephone calls in the 1970s. What? And teamed up with the younger Kamal in the late 80s, early 90s in their Queens neighborhood. Yeah, because I heard of the Jerky Boys in the early 90s. Yeah. The pair gained notoriety from their exposure on Howard Stern and released their first album in 1993, which topped the Billboard charts and was eventually certified double platinum. Wow. That's crazy. In 2000, tension between the two developed. The duo appeared in uh, the film Big Money Hustlers, but because Brennan and Kamal were unable to get along with each other, they did not share any scenes in the film. Wow. Oh, God. Yeah. That, what, do we know that's, bad. that's beyond tension. That is, that is downright uh, hatred. Uh, an ex-lover spat yeah. is what that is. <laughs> This movie came out in 1996, featuring Ozzy Osbourne and Tom Jones. Uh-huh. A little... Uh, Cameos. Yeah. And Alan Arkin as the mob boss. The the theme of the film, the plot, if you will, uh-huh. to, the, use, and, to use that word. And you verbally air-quoted it, I could tell. <laughs> when two unemployed telephone pranksters decide to use their vocal talents to impersonate a Chicago mob boss and curry favor with organized crime in New York, Trouble begins. Oh, imagine that. It isn't long before Johnny and Kamal, the jerky boys, are wanted by the local mafia, police, and their neighbor. All right. It doesn't get simpler than that. The only laughs I got was actually from Alan Arkin. That's not surprising. I don't know a lot about the jerky boys, so I'm going to admit I don't have a lot of evidence to base this on, but I find them completely unfunny. No, you know what? The first time you hear them, you laugh pretty hard. Okay. And then when you have a friend who, like, listens to them more than once, and you kind of go... 
Why are you listening to this again? <laughs> over because and over again. every single time you listen to the Jerky Boys, it becomes less funny than it was before. Mm. They have no shelf life. They're like reality television. Right. 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 You, no one's going back to watch, you know, season one of Survivor yeah. when you know who wins in the end. Right. <laughs> uh, but you can uh, relive. In, uh, starting in 2011, uh, Brennan started a weekly podcast titled The Jerky Boys Show with Johnny Brennan, in which he discusses the history of the calls, how the characters came about, and other hijinks. Okay. Now, I, I, I only learned about this this morning, so I didn't ch- have any time to check out if it's still going on or what, what it's like. But here's like. the thing. He's not actually doing any Jerky Boys routines. He's merely reminiscing about <laughs> being a Jerky Boy. By that description, it definitely seems that way. And uh, Brennan's Saul Rosenberg voice. Uh-huh. Is the voice of pharmacist Mort Goldman on Family Guy. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so still getting work. In television, I'd like to talk about Star Trek the Animated Series from 1974. <laughs> okay. There was a 1974 animated Star Trek series? Yes, with all the original Do cast you know? voicing the characters. I have it on DVD, man. You can borrow it if you want. <laughs> oh, because I'm such a huge Star Trek fan. I yeah. cannot wait. Yes, and of all the Star Trek to be seen in the universe, this is the <laughs> That's one. That's the one? Is it like the Spider-Man cartoons from the 60s where the, all the background is the same? Oh, the animation is terrible. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna. It's made by the same people as He Man. Joe, can I borrow that along with all your Doctor Who DVDs? <laughs> oh, the stink eye that's happening right there. now. Oh, no, all I'm doing is imagining all the soda jerks deciding <laughs> deciding which of us they like best, and I think I know who it is. I don't need to be like Joe. I just need to get the laughs. In this episode, <laughs> zero for two, Kevin. In this episode, uh, after passing through a strange space cloud, the Enterprise computer gains an artificial intelligence that is relentlessly bent on making practical jokes on the crew. This is obviously a plot that couldn't be achieved with live action, so they had to save it for the animated yes, series. Exactly. Uh, pranks include dribble glasses. Uh, Spock looks into a microscope and then comes back up with rings around his eyes. Oh, good lord. <laughs> How does a ship do that to a microscope? Uh, Replicators. Scotty is pelted with pies it, from a it, replicator. It okay. beams mascara around yeah, the rings. Yeah, there you go. Why doesn't beam mascara right under a person? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that wouldn't be as funny. I guess so. <laughs> Just put Kirk in blackface. This, it, it looked up humor on Wikipedia before right. it did all yeah, this. And go. was like, oh, yeah. they have to actually do something to make it. I think it's I Memory Alpha in the Star Trek universe, oh, right, not right. Wikipedia. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. you know, they renamed it after there was a horrible war. <laughs> This is the best part. Kirk discovers a message on one of his clean uniforms that reads on the back of his shirt, Kirk is a jerk. (laughs) Again, how did a ship do this? Here's something that they would not be able to do in the original series Mm. and haven't done in any series after that in Star Trek. Uh the, The ship turns the gravity off. Yeah. Well, there's something that actually had to be saved for the animated animated series series, because in the 60s, that would have been very difficult to achieve. And then it turned off the inertial dampeners and went from zero to warp two, and everybody turned into paste at the back of the ship. It um, trapped crew members in the holodeck. It wasn't called the holodeck yet, but that was the first appearance of the idea of the uh, holographic recreation room. And also has uh, they she, she, I call her she because she's voiced by, uh, what's her face? Oh, uh, uh, Majel Barrett. Yes, thank you. Uh, nitrous oxide pumped into the life support system, also known as laughing gas. I see. The classic. That's the all-time prank of pranks, mm-hmm. right? Now, in reality, exposure to moderate NO2 may produce cough, hemoptysis, dyspnea, mm-hmm. and chest pain. Exposures to higher concentrations can produce pulmonary edema that may be fatal or may lead to bronchiolitis obliterans. Just FYI. Hemoptysis is coughing up blood. Mm, There you Mm, go. Yummy. And uh, the ship takes them into the Romulan Neutral Zone, which is always a hilarious prank. I was about to say that. The best part uh plays a joke on the Romulans by using the inflatable starship decoy. That's also fantastic. something that could only happen in the yeah, animated series. series. <laughs> oh, I don't know. No, no. today's computer. No, because in the original, in the original one, they just had like the plastic model on a string yeah. going through the shot. Right. Anyway, I had an inflatable a, Star Trek. Yeah, you just Starship do it with Enterprise. a balloon and then like pop it at the end. Pow! <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Now so I this sounds do... awful. <laughs> this sounds awful. Although I, I, it sounds like a cross between a Ghostbusters episode and a Star Trek episode. Yeah, so. I would like to see though, because we have all these recorded tracks mm-hmm. of the original crew, with the exception of Chekhov. They didn't hire Chekhov. Yeah, Walter I would Koenig. like to see Walter Koenig. I would like. Why to would see they leave him on the cold? Budgetary reasons. 
I'm sure he was. And then they cheap. just got Jimmy Doohan to do these two other characters that they made for the series, which was the Cat Lady Mress. Was there a Chekhov character in the animated series, and they hired somebody else to do the voice? No, there was no. no he okay. just did not appear. So they decided not to hire Chekhov. Right. Correct. Okay. All right. I was thinking that there was actually a Chekhov animated character, and they just decided not to hire. He just Walter never Kane. said anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, and then they also had that other character, Eryx, who has like three arms and three legs. Oh, that's right. That talks like this, Captain. Yes. And that was all Jimmy Doohan's vocalizations. He's oh. like the Mel Blanc of the Star Trek wow, uh, no kidding. Uh, animated series. I remembered hearing at some point, like many years ago, that there were plans to take those audio tracks and then use modern animation to actually that's, make the shows better. That's what I would like to see. I would there like was... to see those stories Animated using today's technology. Uh, they would be okay. They're still a little cheesy, but... I'm sure they're not okay. Uh, I wouldn't, uh, they're not great. <laughs> they're not. But there's some interesting concepts. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, there's enough Shatner impersonators out there that you could do another Star Trek animated series without having to use the original audio tracks. You're not nerding out as much as we are, though. <laughs> yeah, of course not, because I think Star issue. Trek is stupid. <laughs> Oh, so much hate mail. That was Kevin. <laughs> that was Kevin. <laughs> then remember, uh, so it's come to this. A Simpsons clip show was the episode name. One of my favorite scenes, actually. There's a succession of pranks right. on April Fool's Day, culminating in Bart takes oh, a yes. duff beer. This is one of my favorite Simpsons moments of all time. Takes it to the yeah, paint shop where I have that paint shaker. Yeah. <laughs> puts yeah. it back into the fridge. And it's like vibrating. It's literally yeah. yes. vibrating like <laughs> on the shelf, right? And then Homer opens it and the house explodes. Yeah, the, the timing is, I love the, the setup because Bart goes, April Fool! And then they just <laughs> smash cut to showing the house and the house goes, <laughs> Yeah. And then Homer spends the rest of the episode in a coma, and they relive old episodes. Yeah, that is maybe my favorite Simpsons moment of all time. Now, there's been another Pranks Simpsons episode that I watched from 2009, season mm-hmm. 21, Okay, called Pranks and Greens. Bart tracks down an immature college-aged man named Andy Hamilton, who was once hailed as Springfield Elementary's best prankster. Okay. Ooh. Voiced by Jonah Hill. Okay. From Superbad. All right. I like him. I do like Jonah Hill. Yeah. There were some laugh out loud moments in this episode. Oh, I was really? pleasantly surprised. All right. Bart tries to do a bunch of pranks and Principal Skinner is kind of unimpressed because he's yeah. been pranked by this this older student yeah. in the past and it shows the progression of how Principal Skinner was like kind of this hip young teacher oh. and then after this big prank he became the, the no down. humor just totally yeah, right. straight face guy and which completely changes him being a square in Vietnam before he became <laughs> yes. a principal. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, that's what The Simpsons has okay. to do. It's yeah. like a little retconning it's for season comedy. season 21. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, retconning for comedic purposes, Absolutely. I'm willing to overlook. Absolutely. There are a bunch of interesting pranks that happen in this episode, but the one that turns him uh-huh. is that this guy fills the pool, the swimming pool, at the elementary school. Okay. okay. That we've never seen before. <laughs> that we've never seen before because, I'll get to this, uh-huh. <laughs> it gets filled with prank grade worms. Okay. Oh, prank grade. Yeah. <laughs> those are expensive. <laughs> and you got to order those special from China. <laughs> he dives into it, uh-huh. and then the prankster has that automatic covering go over top of oh, it no. <laughs> so he's trapped in there over the weekend does he eat his way to freedom <laughs> no he just gets out on like monday morning or whatever and has the the pool destroyed and has the pool destroyed <laughs> and downgrades swim coach willie to oh, groundskeeper willie. willie oh wow nice. which also explains why he's so buff all the time because <laughs> yes. he's a total athlete yeah there you go uh so, yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. Not a bad episode. Rocket Monkeys. That show's awesome. The Canadian uh, I still haven't watched it. I'm kids sorry. show that is now available on Nick, so oh. our American friends can uh, watch it. A Nickelodeon. Has an episode called Scarelarious. 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 Okay. All right. Gus and Wally, the it's two rocket monkeys, prank each other relentlessly to illustrate the theory of uh, scary prank humor to their robot, Yay OK. This right. is why pranks are funny. Is exactly. Trying yeah, to basically to trying to. Yeah. Please explain prank humor to me. <laughs> to they obviously. Because the pranks are like just scaring the bejesus out of each other. Okay. All right. Hence the Scarelarious part of it. Got it. So the, the, obviously these rocket monkeys hadn't seen the Star Trek animated series <laughs> no. and the dangers of educating no. your robots and your, your <laughs> no. spaceships. Especially in space. In pranks. Yeah. So Yeok decides to make a terrifying joke of his own. So he goes to the cosmic spider planet. 
to okay. get the scariest monster in the universe, mm-hmm. and he brings it on board the ship. Uh-huh. And then it's just horror. Oh, High the horror. Yes. So it basically turns into aliens. <laughs> kind of, yeah. As a prank. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, yeah. nice. So that's a good one. And uh, this was the episode. I was the prop designer on this cartoon. Mm-hmm. Okay. This was the episode where Wally, the younger, more stupid of the two monkeys, mm-hmm. was going through a uh, a monster catalog to find some silly thing that he could order for a prank. For, for a prank. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the little book that I drew Cthulhu, slipped a little Cthulhu in there. Ah, nice. okay. Yeah, yeah. Nice. A little uh, nod to the Lovecraft fans out uh-huh. there. Well, you know, a great old one would make for a great prank. It's true. I can't think of anything funnier. <laughs> uh, has anyone seen the regular show? Some. I, I really want to watch more. I've seen about six or eight episodes. I have not heard of it. This is a, another cartoon. It's basically about two college kids, more or less, who mm-hmm. get a job at a park, but they're a raccoon and a blue jay. And a big blue jay, yeah. All right. And their boss is a gumball machine. Okay. There's a bunch of crazy... There's High Five Ghost as one of the characters. It's a lot of random characters. It's a kind of an Adventure Time-esque, you know, four kids but adults are going to like it kind of okay. cartoon. Yeah, yeah, it's very much... Uh, I actually listened to an interview with uh, J.G. Quintel, I believe is his name, the creator of the series. That sounds like a made-up name. Yeah. <laughs> he's he... running from something. He's, a, he's on the He's, he's on, on the, the lamb. Yeah. You know it's a good show when the name is a prank. Uh-huh. <laughs> A lot of the ideas just come from like his college days and stuff like that. So there's a lot of, like a lot of video game playing and slacking right. around. Got and it. Doing. But in this episode called Prankless, mm-hmm. Muscle Man plans to prank Mordecai by taping his bed to the ceiling. Okay. That's a good prank. Then the bed falls on Pops, seriously injuring him. Ooh, that's a caustic soda story of everyone. Exactly. Muscle Man swears off pranking, which unfortunately leaves the park vulnerable during an epic prank war with the uh, adjacent park. Ah, I see. So they don't have their own in-house prankster to like... I swore I'd never prank again. Stave off. So there's a lot of like pie bazookas and uh, toilet rolls coming out of helicopters and stuff like that. It's, <laughs> okay. it's like a total yeah, epic I, prank war. I yeah. think watch the first regular show episode, and if you love it like I did, then you're going to want to watch a lot more of it. And if you don't, then, you know, it's not for you. Big deal. Yeah. Comics. The Joker. Right. He's the most famous comic book villain of all time, right? He's definitely on most lists you will find. He yeah. is the number one supervillain. Yeah. Which yeah. is like odd, higher he's, than Lex Luthor. He's kind of barely super, too. That's the That's, weird thing well, about him. Villain, yeah, I guess. No, he's the psychopath, psychotic, yeah. right? I mean, he is super. He's super the same way Batman's super. He's kind of story-driven, super-powered, rather than hey, in science her- or magic. His hero clicks characters are awesome. How so? What's his special abilities? He always has the power outwit which is really, really powerful in, okay. in Heroclix because it allows you to negate somebody else's power. Oh, all right. And he's always got that. And he, he typically has this one called Mastermind, which allows anytime somebody does damage to you, you can shunt it off to any other adjacent uh, character. So he just steps out of the way. Steps out of the way and right. his, his henchmen. <laughs> Redirect. Yeah, and his henchmen get nuked while he uh, you know runs around and, and negates your powers. And, <laughs> You're yeah. going to have to try better than that. Originally introduced as a psychopath with a warped, sadistic sense of humor in Batman number one mm-hmm. from 1940. So he was right there from the oh, very yeah. beginning. I've actually read this comic in a reprint, not, not an original or yeah. anything. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he became a goofy prankster in the late 1950s in his response to the regulation of the Comics Code Authority. Right, yeah, because that, that first appearance is actually really dark. Yeah. Like he's, you know... Well, that was a time when Batman used guns and killed people and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he really was the world's greatest detective, and detective meant fedora and pistols. <laughs> <laughs> Just his fedora had points on it. As Batman's nemesis, Joker has been a part of many of the defining stories of that character, including the paralysis of uh, Batman's ally Batgirl. Yeah, and The Killing Joke, that uh, famous graphic novel from the 80s. The murder of Jason Todd, Batman's uh, ward. Yeah, one of the Robins. And the second the, Robin, yeah. The second Robin. Of all the people who have played the Joker, not counting Heath Ledger. Yeah. Oh. Who's your favorite? And I can give you some reminders. Cesar Romero from the original uh, mm. TV show, uh-huh. yeah. who refused to shave off his mustache. Although, so they just put the, the, the white, white powder down. over top of the mustache. Although Heath Ledger did say in an interview that I, I read one time that yeah. he took the laugh of uh-huh. his Joker from Cesar Romero. As opposed to the uh, Jack Nicholson version yeah it yeah. definitely was not mirroring jack nicholson also of course there's mark hamill from the animated that's, series he's my favorite and and video games as well mm-hmm. i gotta say that's my favorite really and, and yeah frank welker played him in the super friends and john dimaggio played him in batman under the red hood from 2000 it was an interesting portrayal it was much more thuggish yeah 
uh, as fits John DiMaggio. Are we all admitting that the reason we're taking the Heath Ledger Joker out of the equation is because he he's is the by obvious far, choice? Because <laughs> no one is going to argue that he's not the best one of them all. I, I think some people might, but most wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this Jack Nicholson. I mean, who, nobody at this table is going to argue that he's no. not the best one. No, that was a brilliant, brilliant performance for an already established character. Yeah. He, he has such a fresh, great look on it. I'm not even a, a really a Joker fan. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, you got so. You got to uh, give the props. performances. Okay, I so, think it also had the advantage of being one small role. Right. He never had a chance to, to ruin it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to, you know, the entire series of Cesar Romero yeah. and uh, Batman the Animated Series and right. whatnot. Well, under those conditions, I'm going to go with Nicholson. You watch that uh, that old first Batman movie, the the Tim, Tim Burton, Burton one, and I, it just doesn't hold up. Yeah. The reason that I think Nicholson beats out all these other guys is because I've been a Nicholson fan Ever since I've seen him and his early stuff, like when I first became aware that he was an actor, mm-hmm. and like Cuckoo's and Nest, Cuckoo's Nest, uh, Easy Rider, The Last Detail, like all Chinatown, this stuff predating the 1989 Batman movie. Yes, okay, and uh, we believe you. And when when I heard that he was going to be the Joker, bad choice. Right? Yeah. Went, oh, that's going to be yeah, so terrible. Yeah. Michael Keaton is Batman and Jack Nicholson is the Joker? What is Hollywood oh, doing? Oh, God, they're going to ruin this Batman movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then I loved it. <laughs> and then I watched it and I went, Nicholson was great. So he turned me around. And so yeah. that's why I give him props. Yeah, okay. I, right. I, I still, I totally agree. I totally love it, but I like Mark Hamill more. Mark Hamill did so much work as the Joker, and his vocal performance is brilliant. That's true. Every right. single time he appears. Speaking of Mark Hamill, he mm-hmm. also played the trickster yes. on the Flash live-action TV series. Really? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I remember watching that show. <laughs> There's a picture I, of him there. Oh, we're I gonna remember put, we're watching gonna... the pilot of the Flash yes. animated series with you. Yes. <laughs> Or, or not, sorry, live action show, the Flash live action show, and there was that scene where he meets up with the villain or the the bad guy, yeah. and the bad guy literally goes, "Who are you?" And you go, "You made me." And then Flash goes, "You made me." And yes. you and I fell over <laughs> laughing our asses off. Okay, because so we could write this shit. <laughs> when when did the Flash an- uh, live action series come out? Oh, it must have been 1993 or oh, so. God, because uh, we're actually going to put this image up on the website. Podcast.com because this is awful. Uh, 1990. And how long did it last? Three episodes? Two? One? Only one episode? 22 episodes. Good Lord. One a whole season. whole season. They aired them all? Maybe they didn't air them all. You can get it on DVD now. Oh, good From Lord. From Warner Home Video. We'll I'll say borrow this... this DVD along with your Doctor Who DVDs. <laughs> yeah, compare the two. That's what, that's what our listeners want to do. The original trickster is a practical joker and con man and part of the Flash's rogues gallery. He has a number of tricks he employs. This includes itching powder. Potato head bombs, okay. exploding rubber chickens, exploding yo-yos, sharpened jacks, hard shell candy, and various other joke-themed weapons. So it's basically the Joker for Flash. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, this is kind of a ripoff. Yeah. With, well, with way more gadgets and a lot less insane murder. Right. Probably one of my favorite pranksters would be the Umga of the Star Control series of video games, specifically Star Control 2. Mm-hmm. It's basically a spaceship flight game but mm-hmm. they've tacked on this excellent story to it with a whole bunch of really creative different races the umga are these little blobs who have mastered bioengineering mm-hmm. so for fun they strap arms onto their own blobby bodies so they can manipulate things and they their entire race are pranksters okay and they commit pranks against entire other races one of the other races is the spathy Okay. Who are these super cowardly mollusk-like creatures? Mm-hmm. They are terrified of everything. They immediately surrender when they meet anybody. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's a big group of aliens called the Urquan. There's two factions. And they're one the big of, nasty guys. They're right? these big nasty, dun, 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 like seriously evil uh, aliens. The uh, so there's two two uh, factions in the Urquan, and the Kazerza follow the path of now and forever mm-hmm. because they both of these factions hate all other life. Right. The Kazerza say we're going to go around, defeat them all, and then tell their races you have two options. One, we will seal you forever within an, around your planet an impenetrable force field. Right. You may yeah. live out your life there, but you may never try to breach this force field, or we will destroy you all. Right. Or you may choose to become our battle thralls and serve our fleet and then you're allowed to fly around but you have to do everything we say right okay so you either get to stuck on your planet 
or you get to be out in space but be their slaves right. and, it's very, and fight um, for them. It's very Genghis Khan, the whole, like, you can join my army or you can die. Right. So they do this to the Spathy. Okay. Who go, an impenetrable force field around our planet? Fantastic! We'll do that! <laughs> and what they have to do is you have to send them either a white rod saying surrender in the, in the force field or a black rod saying we'll be the battle thralls. Right. The Unga intercepted it and replaced the white rod with a black rod, oh. uh-huh. which meant that the Spathy decided to become battle thralls. So you end up fighting Spathy, who are apologizing and trying to surrender, but are more afraid of the Urquan than they uh, are of you. There you go. Uh-huh. Which is why ca- these ca- this coward race can still fight you. Another one, they prank another relig- super religious race to pretend that they are sending messages from their gods. <laughs> and so they pretend to be God. I, I can't say enough good things about Star Control 2. I've played Star Control 2. I, I like it because it's got the two components of kind of exploring and getting resources and stuff. Yeah. And then you go, when you come across another race, you go into this other mode where it's just like it, battles. Yeah, you've got this, these little ship-to-ship battles. and. Every ship has a different way of fighting, and some ships are really good at taking out other ships, and as you go through, you get more joining your fleet. So it's a strategy game primarily. Uh, ship-to-ship combat. It's, it's real-time, so it, it actually feels like, uh, I guess, asteroids is the best way to say it, except, of course, the ships are way better, and you don't just go pew-pew-pew. You've got all sorts of different weapons. Good times. Tune in next week for the exciting conclusion to this episode of Caustic Soda. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside. And when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling. An ominous feeling. A feeling you know that. We'll be back when the week is new And we'll have more gross facts for you And you'll have things you'll want to hear about We will Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while undergoing buckyball therapy. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter at causticpodcast. Or email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Maybe they had to add delight on the end because it's normally not much of a delight. <laughs> you know, this very specifically, this is the Turkish delight. Oh, that's it. The uh, Turkish delight that was manufactured on April 1st was ironic. They would say, it, oh, uh, Turkish delight. So this is the Turkish yeah, refuse put, from the candy floor. Put like vinegar in it or something. <laughs> Air quote delight. <laughs> would eat something flavored like a rose. <laughs> yeah, it'd be pretty stupid. <laughs>